How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going tonight, Dave? It's going swell. How about yourself? Pretty pretty good. Pretty good. We had, like, a uh, relatively lengthy therapy session prior to this where we talked about important Oh, matters. I thought you were talking about the therapy session of tacos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's physical therapy is what that is. We had some physical therapy, and then we had some emotional therapy <laughs> talking about life right. and politics and... Mm-hmm. I feel like we hit everything pretty much. Social issues, yeah, relationships. We didn't go. We didn't get to my sex life. Though. Yeah, how's your sex life? <laughs> I immediately thought of the room uh, while we were going. No, through you, the list you of have topics. to jump to the room for that. Yeah. How's your job? <laughs> how's your sex life, <laughs> bro? We're getting coffee. What's what? You're like talking to the actual barista at Starbucks. <laughs> how's your job? How's your sex life? <laughs> Oh, hi, doggy. <laughs> <laughs> Other things not okay to say. What is okay to say, though, is um, we talk about video games here. We're very serious about it. I, I see that wry <laughs> grin, which means it's a lie. Yeah. We're not serious. Not that serious. We do care about video games. We're serious about that. Mm-hmm. I feel like it is our passion. I feel it falls under that. Right. But it's the main way that we ingest media. Mm-hmm. Much like graphic design is my passion. <laughs> it's a meme. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, Jake, we didn't. I didn't know about that. <laughs> I was like, your wife? Yeah. More so. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. No. We uh, we definitely put the time into it. So if if it's not something we cared about, then we're really making we're we're wasting just a huge portion of our lives playing and talking about video games. If if nothing else, it's a manufactured interest at this point. <laughs> I love the idea that we don't actually like video games, <laughs> yeah. and, but we just make a podcast mm-hmm. for you know all that all that revenue. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's that's not a thing. Although a lot of modern corporations don't actually really make money. Businesses don't make money until they're like, hey, someday we'll make money. Uh, until that day, we'll just be operating at a loss, and we'll get investors through hype. Um, hmm. Yeah, but we'll save that for the business podcast. And this one, we're going to talk about a particular video game, the name of which is Braid. I didn't know why it was called Braid until yeah. I reread that first part of the intro. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's because it's get, probably not the best titled, in my opinion. He gets whip, whip, whiplashed by the the braid of a girl. Yeah, mm-hmm. he being Tim, the protagonist of the game Braid. Which is a 2D platformer. Yeah, he's like um, a better Mario. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jumpman Tim. But his jump sucks in comparison. It is pretty bad. He has a white boy with literally no ups. Yeah. <laughs> he's got like a tie and like a little uh, prep suit, essentially. Like he's going to a school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, everybody's also kind of got like vertical compression in this game. Uh, Tim and the 
the enemies, all the characters, they're like relatively short. What does that say about the game? <laughs> I don't know, but this is a Jonathan Blow game, so like every detail could mean something. Probably could. means nothing. <laughs> <Yeah. Could. laughs> He's he, made other games that uh, are equally obtuse. Yes, and I don't use that word in sentences other mm-hmm. than uh, describing Jonathan Blow games. Yeah, they're like full of tooth, honestly, all over the place. Tooth on the walls. Yeah, tooth everywhere, really. But um, anyone who's played The Witness, I think, really understands where I'm coming from. Um, it's it's a kind of game where we're coming from here. It's a kind of game where it has a story, and you'll learn about the story like while playing the game. But it will purposefully kind of leave some blanks or allow you to come to your own conclusions, um, which personally I'm not a fan of because you're the artist. You should have conclusions. <laughs> Let me know what you think. <laughs> yeah, there are times where you can like leave certain things open that might have two meanings. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that, but like you need to walk people there to get there. Yeah. If you have the whole thing is kind of like loosely vague, A, I'm not enveloped in your story mm-hmm. because I don't know what the fuck you're trying to say. Yeah. So I'm going to stop listening. This is what our listeners actually <laughs> feel like all the time. They're like, what are you trying to say? <laughs> I'm not enveloped. I'm going to stop listening. Um, yeah, I was going to probably circle back, talk about the story a little bit more once we've provided a lot of context. But Okay. I'll, uh, leave, I'll leave it at bullet A. Yeah, bullet point A. Um, but mechanically, as I said, 2D platformer. It is like a puzzle game. Largely, that's 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 the content you're coming here for. How do you, how you solve these puzzles involving, I would say, time. Probably time. Yes, but initially, like any type of puzzle game, the mechanics build over time. Hmm. Uh, but when it starts out, I don't think you even know that you can manipulate time. Right. You're just going through, and you're stomping on these hairy Goombas. With- the, yeah. They look too human. They're, they're like Goombas with faces, like more human, human-like face. Yeah, it's uncanny. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're going through, it's really just basic platforming. You maybe grab a key to open a door, and you go through that. And then at a point, I'm not sure if it's like a forced death. I don't know if there's triggers a, it. I don't even think there's a forced death, but the first time you do die, you do get your prompt. Yeah. Where you can essentially just hold the shift button to rewind time. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, I can do this at any point. As far as like it's implemented, it's actually it's actually pretty cool. Because um, the music track, whatever you're listening to, will play backwards as you rewind, which is cool. I like that. Um, and it happens really seamlessly. It's, um, you can like tap release the rewind time like option and the engine handles it like very quickly. There's no transition, fade, anything like that. It's just go backwards and forward in times as you wish. And you actually can, like, if you hold the rewind button, you can, like, push up or, I guess, jump, whatever your jump key would be, um, to move forward again. So you can kind of, like, find a place in time on your route through the level and be like, here, here is where I shall resume um, and go through there, which is which is pretty cool. Yeah, there's some sections where uh, you're falling 
and you might be like, oh, I landed on some spikes. I didn't see where those were. Um, you rewind a little bit and you hold a directional arrow. Yeah. So you you narrowly avoid that rather than landing directly on top of it. Mm-hmm. And also you can speed up how fast you're rewinding or fast forwarding. Exactly. Yeah. Like times eight multiplier, which is crazy. Because yeah. <laughs> there are some puzzles later on once you realize the time manipulation tool and you actually need to use it mm-hmm. where you're like, hey, I need to go do this thing over here, but I need to get back to the other side really quickly. Yeah. So you're like, action, mash the <laughs> fuck out of rewind. <laughs> and we're there. Um, yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of cool mechanics. So I'm not usually... Braid is kind of an exception for me because I'm not usually a huge fan of platformers. Yeah, and and puzzle games, both of those. What, you don't like any platformers? I'm not a huge fan of platformers. There's some I there's some I enjoy, um, but it takes it takes me a while to get engaged all the time, um, and I'm a filthy casual. So uh, something like like Hollow Knight is like a really really freaking good game, bro. That I, I have struggled Ian to get engaged. Was with. bugging me to play it again and mm-hmm. i've definitely gotten back into it more i haven't played in like a week yeah um because i'm stuck at like this asshole boss mm-hmm. i'm sure it's not even boss there's like a mid boss i'm just All right shit. <laughs> there's an enemy um, <laughs> the first enemy <laughs> <laughs> it's this guy he's looking at me he he throws pillows at me and i explode yeah um but it is super solid yeah and so if like it takes me a while to break into a game like hollow knight which is universally acclaimed well, as- to be fair it's also a steeper difficulty right like it's not the most forgiving game by any means hmm. especially as you get further and you're like hey these mechanics you're good though right yeah and you're like what they're like bye if there's anything i need it's forgiveness so if the yes. game doesn't provide that for me what kind of but braid does right <laughs> get some uh absolution in the end perhaps uh the thing about braid though um that i enjoy where i don't really like platformers and i don't usually like puzzle games as much is uh, how quickly mistakes can be undone so another i think we talked about it recently like i like super meat boy i come back to it a lot actually for some reason um and part of it is just because resets are so fast you're like oh i made a mistake but i can instantly go back to executing the route to figuring it out hotline miami recent episode um you fuck up you start over immediately immediately like i I can fix that mistake i can do it now it's not the dark souls like hey you died (laughs) all right thanks obama (laughs) (laughs) um yeah you don't have to go through like a loading screen you don't have to do anything like that anything that takes you out of the experience you can immediately resolve your mistake and braid is absolutely perfect for that because much like prince of persia or something it's like hey you fell on the spike what if you didn't you can rewind yourself it's like having infinite sand for those familiar with the prince of persia series you can always go back in time to wherever you want in braid and be like no i didn't hit that enemy i jumped on his head you can make those little corrections yeah this goes back to like the holding the arrow key or maybe because like everything else in the level is pretty much fixed besides you yeah um so sometimes like these little goomba enemies will be shot out of cannons yeah and maybe you got to adjust your timing because you want to jump on a goomba it's being shot out of a cannon because when you hit the goomba uh it kind of gives you like an extra jump yeah so maybe you're trying to get up to a platform you weren't able to reach previously um and maybe you're like mid-jump and you don't want to go start it over again wait for the cam to fire you're just like let's rewind and try again right rewind try again rewind there it is yeah 
there's like you you don't have to do infinite retries you just make the correction exactly at the divergent point where you made your mistake and i appreciate that because that means as soon as you know we've talked about this in relation to other puzzle games i think as soon as you know the puzzle solution you should be able to implement it just be like that's your run no wasted time solve it and we're good um, and braid is much like that in most cases. There's a couple times where there's more elaborate solutions that aren't just the answer is you're done. Uh, you have to implement something, but we can kind of get to that as we introduce mechanics, I think. Yeah. So like one of the first, uh, mechanics that they introduce is, um, green magic, um, which could affect items. There's like keys that open doors. There's, um, the enemies, the Goombas. Basically these things that have this green enchantment on them are like you actually not not even like you yeah they are not affected by rewind at all they're time immune so if you're trying to rewind that goomba is still gonna be walking around um that door is gonna be in whatever state it was in etc yeah and the the game uses this to some really uh cool and i think rewarding initial solutions um the one that i really appreciate from just a conceptual standpoint is a combination of um there'll be like a set of doors and usually anytime you use a key it like breaks when you open the door you can't use it again unless you rewind time Mm -hmm. if you have a door that's green it's got the green magic on it that means it's unaffected by time like we, we know that by just the principle of green magic so if you have a standard key and you open that door you can actually rewind time get the key back exactly you get the key back and now the door is still open because it's unaffected by time and you can open the next door and like when i figured that out initially i was like oh snap this is zawardo (laughs) (laughs) time control i got it um i think like moments like that in puzzle solving feel really good in braid yeah it's like all puzzle games it's about the aha moment of discovering Initially, here's the challenge I need to meet. Um, here are the mechanics I have at my disposal. Oh, I didn't know I could do that. Yeah. And a lot of Jonathan's Blows games in general, while being obtuse, occasionally I do appreciate when it's like, hey, you're looking at this in a slightly different angle. Yeah. Perspective shift. Yeah. Literally the witness. Um, and obviously also, also Braid seeing the yeah. solution. But like... I've never fully completed Braid. Mm-hmm. Uh, every so often, I'll make attempts, and then I'll watch like a playthrough. Right. And then I'll see how they do cer- certain challenges. I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. I, because there's also like a special unlocks for your actual progression. You're getting these little puzzle pieces. Yeah. Uh, throughout the areas, and then you build a picture. When the it's picture's a, done. It's just a jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. All this. Uh, when the picture's done, you can ascend another rung in the ladder to get to the last level. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also like these other optional things you can get, which are stars. Right. I collected exactly zero in my playthrough. <laughs> I know of one that exists, but I refuse to do it. Yeah. <laughs> because you have to go stand on a cloud for an hour and 20 minutes. Actually an hour. Actual in-game time yeah. is an hour and 20 minutes. That is a Jonathan Blow. Exactly. Entirely. Um, and I refuse to do that. Mm-hmm. I'll spoil what the stars do at the end of the episode. <laughs> so you guys don't have to stand on a cloud for an hour and 20 minutes. It just felt so, eh, yeah, for me. That's a mechanic um, you should you should always skip. And shame on Jonathan Blow for putting it in the game. 
uh, I don't get put it. time sinks in for time sinks sake. Yeah, it's a uh, fucking pain in the ass. The rest of the game basically respects your time, so why introduce a mechanic that absolutely does not? The thing is, he obviously didn't learn his lesson in Braid because I know absolutely this exists in The Witness as well. We have to watch that video for 40 minutes? Yeah, you have to sit there and you have to wait (laughs) and at a specific point in a video in The Witness, move the cursor, uh, like it's either into the video, it's out of the video, onto a wall, but it happens like 40 minutes into the video. So if you miss that point in the video... You have to rewatch the whole thing. There's no time mechanic to rewind there. <laughs> and I wish somebody would just tell me that so I just wouldn't have played that game at all. Yeah. Because um, that's the type of shit that I'm like, mm. It's like true ending nonsense. So, like, you can beat the game and not do it. Same with Braid. Like, you can get the ending and you don't have to stand on a cloud for an hour. Yeah. Um, but if you want to experience everything, he tends to put really stupid time gates in there. Um. But yeah, most of, most of the rest of the mechanics, like I said, you figure it out and you're good. Um, the green magic pl- stays pretty constant. Um, there's also a kind of uh, shadow mechanic. So um, this one's this one's really cool because uh, it's it's things with a uh, purple magic. I think leave time shadows essentially. So um, if you do something, you like jump on an enemy or you run and you open a door or whatever, and then you rewind and release rewind your shadow and the creature's shadow, whatever it is. It essentially pur- plays back out everything. Yeah, it plays plays out, um, uh, which is really cool because it allows you to do like double-time actions. Yeah. It's like, hey, I need to go pull this lever. This lever opens this door. The lever's not next to the door. If I let go of the lever, the door falls. Yeah. So you go open the lever, go back to the door, um, let it rewind and let it play out again. You stand by the door. And you're like, "Thanks, me." Yeah, it leads to some kind of hilarious, um, hilarious outcomes where you can actually one of the one of the puzzles that took me a while to solve is you can basically goomba stomp the goombas to get a, a jump, mm-hmm. right? And one of the puzzles requires that you actually have the goomba hit your head for a bonus jump, and then you jump on it afterwards for a super jump yep so it's gonna jump on your like shadow and then you jump on its head and get uh the the puzzle piece or whatever it, it took me forever because yeah. tactical suicide didn't enter my mind when i was playing braid that's one of the ones that when i rewatch i'm like fuck yeah like i wouldn't have jumped to it but i love that it exists as a thing mm-hmm. again slightly obtuse but it leaves me more with a feeling of oh yeah rather than fucking kidding me right it's like oh i understand like this is the interaction of mechanics i put it together this makes sense now but now i know that that is a tool that i could theoretically utilize to solve other puzzles in the future yeah Mm -hmm. and there's some cool ones i I like uh, two other examples of that mechanic uh one of them is you have to there's like a gap with spikes um is the shadow mechanic you're talking about shadow mechanic yeah Mm -hmm. and you're uh, you can grab a key and then almost clear the gap. You need to get the key to the other side. But you won't quite make it. So you make the attempt, uh, and then you rewind, and you with your real self, your present self, run down to the other side of the gap, and your shadow makes the jump with the key because it's replaying time, like falls on the spikes and dies, but you're right there next to the key and can grab it out of the air before it falls. 
So it's like, again, kind of tactical suicide, but I don't know. That mechanic just feels really cool when you're playing double time. Prestige. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Or like lure a bunny away because they're killers in this game. It's like they're from Monty Python, I think. Um, and like sneak up behind it, climb a ladder, and get a puzzle piece while your shadow's keeping it busy. It's just, it's fun. It's fun stuff. That's definitely, yeah. It's definitely one of one of my favorite kind of uh, mechanics. Um, and they'll they'll continue. They do a pretty good job. So one gripe I had with a couple puzzle games is they'll introduce a new mechanic, but they'll like deprecate. They'll remove old mechanics they don't incorporate them into the solutions kind of going forward yeah they don't typically full stack yeah and i think like um uh, talus principle had like a couple steps where like it was focused largely on the new mechanic but it does a pretty good job of building on old uh knowledge um and braid does the same thing eventually you'll be dealing with like several time mechanics at the same time after they've gotten you kind of um, acclimated yeah. acclimated exactly so um one way that they kind of introduce that is it'll be like a recurring boss which is basically like a king goomba and the fight is actually always it's it's kind of funny because the solution is always the same you have to drop chandeliers on his head mm-hmm. but uh they'll use different mechanics different colors of magic basically throughout the game to change how the fight should work so in one of them um, he's the first encounter. He has green magic on him, which means he's unaffected by time. So you can drop the chandeliers above. They'll hit him in the head. He'll take damage. You can rewind, reload your chandeliers, and he's still at less than full health. Exactly. So you're actually making progress in the fight. You're just what? giving yourself ammo. Yeah. Otherwise, it would be like a zero-sum game mm-hmm. where you would hit him with two chandeliers, <laughs> and then you'd be like... Well, I'm out of options. Yeah. Yeah. He, like, takes four hits to finish, I think. So, five. Five total. Five. I was corrected by one of our aides. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for that, dude. <laughs> Thanks, Tim the PA. <laughs> yeah. Um, and a, a, a later encounter, um, he actually doesn't have uh, green magic anymore. So, rewind affects him. Um, but the time shadow mechanic is in effect. So the chandeliers have purple magic and you, this was actually takes me a while to beat. Yeah. So, um, but you can drop the chandeliers, rewind time and then shadow chandeliers will fall, which can hurt him. Um, they both hurt him, but the shadow chandeliers don't take ammo because the real chandelier is still up there. It's yeah. weird to track mentally, but you guys get what we're saying. You're basically just setting up what you're going to do mm-hmm. and then playing it out rather than physically doing it yourself and then rewinding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It still happens the same way, though. It's like Payday 2 pre-planning. That's a reference the, for... Like, the thermite paste. <laughs> <laughs> it's a reference for, like, one listener, maybe. And it's it's probably it's probably me <laughs> when, I'm, when I'm imagining this. Um, but that's, that's something I think that is... It's um, emblematic of good game design where you can literally just reuse an encounter and change one mechanic, but it fundamentally like changes the encounter. I think that's actually really cool. Um, it's also risky because there's a, like, it could be laziness, right? Like you could make an argument, same boss, literally just changed, you know, the way you're attacking him with chandeliers. 
that's dumb. Why didn't you put more effort in? It depends on what it is. Like, if it was, let's say, a boss in Doom. Yeah. And you went from, like, guns to a melee weapon. In Doom, it'd probably be some badass variation. Um, but, yeah, it doesn't feel great. But in the sense of, like, Final Fantasy, let's mm-hmm. say F- FFX. Yeah. One of the few that I played. So, one of my favorites. Also, really good music. Uh, you keep fighting Seymour. Yeah. But every time you fight Seymour, it is an entirely different fight. The character's the same. Right. So maybe certain things about the fight persist, but every single time it's a different fight. Yeah. Which I like. Yeah, it's like a it's like a Pokemon rival thing. You're you're yes. seeing progress. You're seeing progress. That's the thing. There's actually progress in it. Yeah. And then you get to flex when you revisit the fight at the end of the game and you're like, You're trash. I'm farmed. Let's do this. <laughs> That's how you know you're you're uh, you're you're a boss at the end of it. It just felt good to fight him and then use his summon against him because I went and found his summon because I went on Google. <laughs> Thanks Google. Yeah, that is one thing I really like about Dark Souls is c- killing invaders then resummoning them for fights later. It's like yeah, you're on you're you're on my squad now. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, like I'll beat you into respecting me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Another really cool mechanic that they have in this is I now can't think of anything besides the super hot mechanic. Yeah. This is what mm-hmm. you said to me uh, off audio. <laughs> but it's essentially just whenever you move, everything else moves as well. Yeah. So the game level is on the script. If you just go from left to right, it will play out normally. Mm-hmm. Um, but you might need to interact with it to do things as you would for any fucking level. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. So the one thing I specifically remember, one of the early parts, a cannon is shooting a Goomba somewhere. Yeah. Goomba falls out of the sky, lands on the ground, continues to walk. Yeah. You can step on Goombas. Um, and if you jump on it from left to right, you will jump up. The Goomba dies because as you go to the right, time plays forward. Yeah. But if you jump on it to the left, it doesn't die mm-hmm. because time has not progressed. It is frozen or or going backwards at that point. Mm-hmm. So you can continue to jump on the Goomba. <laughs> so you can actually like ladder vertically if you do it right. Because if you bounce twice on something, mm-hmm. it is more of a like boost. A, a super jump thing. And that to me is like, ah, uh, shit's getting real weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can kind of just walk, like repeat a jump up. Like it stares essentially till the, the firing arc ends. Um, I remember like one of the first levels for this, this was another instance of the game reusing the same mechanic, but it's basically kill all the enemies in this area. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like one of the first ones that you use time moves forward when you move forward, time moves back when you move back and you have to not kill any of the enemies or it doesn't really matter, I guess. Well, you, the first time you go through it when there's no mechanics, Mm -hmm. you just stomp the Goombas. You're like, I got it. Cool. Yeah. When you come back, it's like something Goombas. You're like, yeah, I've done this before. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you kill a Goomba and then you go to kill another Goomba and then you've actually gone left. Yes. Rewound time mm-hmm. and brought the Goomba back to life. And you're like, oh, we got to plan this. Yeah. So you have to kill them essentially left to right. Exactly. Or in a way that you will end up on the rightmost side. Mm-hmm. And you got to be careful because like moving too far to the left undoes their death. And then they're like, I'm just content to walk around now. Um, which the game loves to throw at you later too. It's like um, the one that's I feel like really infamous. Um, 
I actually remember this. I so it's been years since I played this, mm-hmm. and in playing in preparation for this, I got to the area with the key, and was like, "Crap! I know exactly what's gonna happen here." But um, there's a uh, locked door above you that requires you to go to the left. Um, and the problem is the key that you have to carry there mm-hmm. tracks where you were um, as you moved left to right. So say like you run across a bottom track and then you climb a ladder and you run back to the left on an upper track. The key will go back down to the bottom track and run back. Like it's running back to the beginning of the level because it's rewinding in time. You'll let you, you can't hold on to it. Yeah. It only knows of time linearly. It doesn't know about verticality at all. Exactly. So it kind of just floats in the air like, see ya. (laughs) Um, and the the kind of sneaky mechanic to that is play around with um, time and a platform and get an enemy who's um, who has green magic, so he's unaffected by time, to pick up the key and then just walk it back like some sort of uh, time lord <laughs> back to the, the bottom of the ladder so you can climb up and actually unlock the door. Um, it's pretty hilarious just escorting like this trash mob essentially <laughs> like there's nobody who is more capable of dealing with time right now than you are <laughs> to the beginning your feeble level. body was blessed with magics beyond your comprehension <laughs> carry this for me please it's pretty freaking great there's a part later on um as this you know is a mario clone they do yeah. have these pipes uh from which i want to say like they're kind of like venus fly traps yeah mm-hmm. they're the same thing as piranha plant they really but are creepier for some reason they are yeah um so they kind of go up and bite and then they go down yeah but throughout the game um more of them become time immutable mm-hmm. there's kind of a fixed thing um but the example i'm thinking of they are time mutable mm-hmm. but the goombas being shot across are not yeah um so essentially, you have to move left to right to have these prana plants go up and down to clear a path for these Goombas to go across. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that takes me for fucking ever. It was kind of bad. Uh, and you, sometimes you just start to use like rewind to like move to a position more quickly. Yep. Uh, but you essentially need to move two Goombas over so you can jump on one's head and then the other head for the super boost to get up to the puzzle piece. Yeah. And then you're like, that was all for one puzzle piece. The obnoxious part about this is it kind of it kind of invalidates. I understand the puzzle, like I have solved it ultimately. Uh, but the thing that made it less frustrating for me, I described earlier, to be mm-hmm. able to undo your mistakes, that doesn't apply if certain pieces of the puzzle have time immunity. Yep. Like if you screw up your jump, you have to get another two Goombas for that puzzle. I found that really frustrating actually when I played. Part of that's because I'm bad, and the other part is because. The rest of the game spoils you by letting you know, like, when you have the solution, Mm -hmm. that's all you need. You don't, like, it doesn't matter that the platforming might be imprecise a little bit, because you can just undo your mistakes. But when that's no longer the case, you feel more constrained, I think. Yeah. And also, you just keep getting these death sound effects of (laughs) things going, ooh, (laughs) the immolation. When he gets hit with like a fireball, the, <laughs> there's also a fireball, which is specifically for just don't get hit by them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One thing I forgot to mention, which is one of the things I really appreciated early on in Braid, and in my initial playthrough many many moons ago, mm-hmm. years even. Yeah. Uh, as you're 
uh, making these pictures out of the jigsaw puzzle pieces. Yeah. Um, towards like the la- I think it's the last level in that area. You actually have like a picture frame, and you can kind of assemble the pieces you have. Yeah. Um, and you can also do it in the hub world as well. And that's right. overall where it matters, but they, they mirror each other. Mm-hmm. But you, there's a piece where in the picture, it looks like a ledge. Yep. <laughs> and you actually can jump on that ledge. Yeah. So one of the solutions to get to one of the puzzle pieces in the top right corner is you jump over and then interact with the picture frame to move this jigsaw puzzle and then you jump again, you do it again. Yeah. So I think this time around, I started from the bottom, and every time I jumped, I would uh, go to manipulate the picture, slide up the jigsaw puzzle piece <laughs> a little bit under me, and uh, made it Jacob's ladder to heaven. It's like my ladder, basically. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Thanks, the, the, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good craftsmanship. The thing I, I like about that is it's like it's the first uh, jigsaw puzzle for world world. It's not World 1, because you actually start at... World 2. Yeah, you start at World 2. Plot reasons. And um, you have to use that to get two pieces. The first one's just jumping on the platform. So you're like, great, done with it. But no, the game is insidious. And the other way you have to use it is to place it so that the Goomba will walk off of the adjacent platform onto it. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. can get them off of it down below you so you can jump on them and get a, a piece that's kind of floating off near the exit. It's sneaky like that. Yeah. It's good, though. Yeah. Like, those are the ones I appreciate early on. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you feel about, like, the the last mechanic that they... The major mechanic that they introduced? I like it in certain levels. Okay. And I will provide an example thusly. And mm-hmm. then another one where I fucking hate it. <laughs> so, the last mechanic is, like, a ring you can drop. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a fixed position thing but it dilates time. Mm-hmm. So the closer you are to it, the more time is slowed. Um, so you can use this to, for one of the hunt levels or like moving a key to a door, uh, you can essentially have it block a sliding piece that's going down to block your progression. Yeah, it's like a, a timed exit, basically. Yeah. Uh, and you can move so much more quickly than it, which is right next to the time dilation, mm-hmm. and you pick it up and go through on your merry way. Awesome. Mm-hmm. The one I really liked for the solution for is you have to go up some ladders, corridors, and there's a series of cannons. Yeah. And oh, when you yeah. go up, you're always running away from the cannons or the cannonballs, so you have just enough time to get to the next ladder. Exactly. Meanwhile, in the back of your head, you're thinking, this is going to be a bitch the other <laughs> way because I know I have to come back. Yeah. And you have this elevator uh, to get you back up so you can make the cannon run. Yeah. And you move your time dilation to a couple things. You're like, I've got this new mechanic. I know I have to use it. How the fuck do I? And then you put the time dilation on the elevator. Yeah. You send the elevator down and then you haul ass. (laughs) So the elevator is slowly going down because it's affected by time dilation. Mm -hmm. But it goes by each cannon to slow their shots. So you have just enough of a time window to run back left Mm -hmm. into the cannon fire before it fires again. It's actually one of my favorite implemented puzzles in the game. Like just for how the mechanics interact. Because uh, it just feels really smart. It feels really smart it's how so they cool. set it up. It's kind of like, you know, how people make really complicated Mario Maker puzzles or some elaborate Rube Goldberg of events. Yeah. And it's like you get to uh, really take get the payoff there uh, for figuring it out, which I appreciate. 
um you said you really liked that mechanic for like yes. that level that was a cool design what was the one that you you really disliked every other level <laughs> yeah i'm trying to think of a, like, a very explicit example mm-hmm. i can think of None i can think of a couple mind if you have any though yeah so um one that i didn't mind too much was using it to how, how very polite of you to say <laughs> right yeah uh well actually i thought this one was okay uh, you basically have a cloud gun that's firing clouds out underneath you. Um, and Cla- it's... Cloud guns shoot clouds which act as platforms. Yes, they're also platforms. You can stand on them. Important fact. Um, and it's firing them at a rate that you can't jump between the clouds. But if you drop your ring, it slows the one you're on. And so it messes up the pattern. You can jump to the next one. Um, I thought that was relatively smart, kind of witty. I um, agree. But later, the problem kind of becomes that you're like, what piece of this puzzle needs some amount of dilation to be the answer? Yeah. And that's when it kind of becomes a guess, sort of. Um, There's one I really liked uh, where a key drops into like a pit of spikes. Yeah. And you have to drop your ring uh, next to it so that the platform that comes out below the key causing it to drop... Uh, it comes more slowly and the key will slowly drop and you can r- do a little run from where you flipped a switch to get back and grab the key out of the air. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and I then, got stumped by that one though. Yeah. And I had to end up watching it because I forgot that I had to do that in conjunction with the rewinding of time Oh yeah, to go mm-hmm. back so that the ring would be at that place at that point in time. Yeah, I get a little bit fuzzy on when those mechanics actually mesh up mm-hmm. and interact versus when they kind of fizzle out. Yeah. So, like in this case, there's another mechanic at play. There's like uh, white platforms, magic platforms, where basically if you're standing on the platform, Tim is time immune. If you rewind, everything else will rewind, but he doesn't move. Um, so, you need to use that in this solution for this particular puzzle. Wait, what? Yeah. Did you not. So for that for that puzzle, there's time immune platforms. Yeah. When was this introduced? <laughs> so those are used like they're used like three times in the game, um, that I can remember. One of them was for an early jigsaw puzzle where um, a door is being blocked off and it's literally impossible to reach it um, before um, the door is blocked off. Mm-hmm. You run past it, you ignore it. You're just like, all right, I give up on that puzzle piece, and you can flip kind of a semi hidden switch to raise a time immune platform stand on it rewind to chronologically the beginning of the level but tim's just standing here just being like i'm immune to time oh my god and then you can run back over and grab the piece before the door closes so i did see that in the playthrough i didn't do it myself for the same reasons yeah i did not know that that was a thing though like an actual mechanic Mm -hmm. until just now yeah it makes it a lot easier because in the puzzle we were talking about where the key falls you can just drop your ring. You actually do like, again, pre-planning where like my ring is going to sit here for like 15 seconds, then I'm just going to pick it back up. <laughs> I'll run off and go somewhere else, stand on time immunity and rewind time back to when your ring is down there on its own. That's why if I'm ever like walking somewhere and I lean up against the wall, I'm texting for 10 minutes. <laughs> I'm actually just planning for my uh, rewind playthrough. Exactly. Yeah. I needed myself to be there at that point in time. It is kind basically of... for an alibi. That's where I'm <laughs> going with this. It's kind of hilarious from a um, a strict gameplay standpoint that 
part of the gameplay is I will stand here for 15 seconds so that when I rewind time, something is here for 15 seconds. You know, it's 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 kind of like non-gameplay for a later payoff. It's it's weird because I, I definitely did it in Talos Principle too because you yeah. have to. Mm-hmm. But as you're like trying the reporter, to like right? think through, yeah, mm-hmm. um, as you're going to like play that out again, I'll just like count I'm like how much time do I need to open this door? Yeah. Let's give myself an extra five seconds because we'll get distracted and fuck something up. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's it's definitely a weird shift, but it's a good layer to add on to puzzle mechanics. Because mm-hmm. it's like, hey, here are the mechanics you know. What if you weren't doing them? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thankfully, that was like the white, like magic proof platforms are kind of, or time proof platforms are kind of rare. Because um, I think they would have made other puzzles too complicated if they were like anything about the stage can change but tim could be right here you know rewinding time it makes it makes it harder to think about linearly what's occurring but we're talking in like time terms which makes this harder for listeners to understand i get that so thank you for sticking with us um but those are those those are basically the mechanics is there anything else that they really introduce mechanic wise i can't think of anything no, not really. Um, and the level stuff is fairly simple as far as platforms, ladders, doors, um, maybe like a sliding platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and they actually don't have too many complicated moving pieces, which is another reason I sort of appreciate it. Something that... It's not hard to get into. Yeah. Because you're like, I can run and jump. <laughs> yeah. I can press shift. In games. <laughs> Yeah, in game. <laughs> I don't even know if I can jump yeah. or run. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Not in this economy. Not the, in this economy. Uh, I kind of like that the mechanics don't get too complicated in that aspect, though. Because um, something I started to feel like hour 30 of Talos Principle or however long that game is, is it's just oh, like, 30. here's six things. And I'm like, all right, but my brain has capacity for three things. <laughs> I'm going to start. I, I've lost the ability to eat. We're going to drop that. Now I know how to use a recorder and prisms at the same time or whatever. Right? <laughs> I get that. Um, but for me, Talos Principle kept me more invested because it had such great theming and other shit going on. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, hey, you're talking to this computer. This computer knows about this world and doesn't trust your all father who's dictating you commands you're like what else is going on here mm-hmm. and you explore a little bit more and you're curious about the world and what's going on whereas here your only exposition really is uh, when you start a new area yeah. before you get into like the level doors there's like five books each thing has like a paragraph or a blurb yeah about it's something like in tim's life yeah it's written in prose but it's not super informed like you can get like a loose idea and start to mm-hmm guess what but it's again it's like reading a high school kid's edgy poem (laughs) i feel is the plot of this whole game yeah um it's kind of interesting there is there is some um subversion for the traditional trope so it's obvious kind of by the end that you are in a mario clone literally at the end of each level there's a flag (laughs) a little dinosaur comes out it's like what are you doing here (laughs) there's no princess here princess is in another castle go home (laughs) you're drunk (laughs) And actually, Tim has a lot of the jigsaw puzzles are him drinking. <laughs> but um, it's clearly, like, inspired by, like, it says at the beginning, Tim made a mistake. Mm-hmm. 
and because of this he lost the princess basically um so he's going trying to find the princess um now a lot of this is left vague so people can draw their own conclusions but ultimately it culminates in the uh the sequence that kind of causes him to go off and do whatever he's doing to try to reclaim the princess um which is really cool uh, from a game design perspective are we talking about the the actual chase yes yeah slash helping the princess escape from this armored knight who's trying to catch her yeah um this is probably the coolest part of the game yeah it's kind of like when bastion ends and you hear the two songs play together you're like oh yeah oh um so basically like there's like a firewall coming left to right you know platforming rules wall of death um but there's like this large knight above who's yelling at the princess like come down here and she's like help Mm -hmm. and then she starts booking it right you start booking it right but she's on a track above you uh so sometimes you need her to interact with something to open up stuff for you sometimes you need to interact with something to open up stuff for her yeah exactly you're both trying to go in parallel to the right yeah it's a co-op experience with this princess ai yeah so when you finally get over to the right uh she gets home and it's kind of like one of those modern like full window houses yeah which mm-hmm. i'm not one to throw rocks but i'm occasionally <laughs> the one to browse the internet so would not be keen. <laughs> um and you're there you're there on the other side of the window and you're just kind of watching her mm-hmm. like a normal person you know how you do <laughs> all right so i'm not sure if you're prompted at this point uh time stops yeah okay yeah time stops and so you can't do anything so instinctively you're like well rewind i guess Mm -hmm. so as you rewind the whole sequence that you just did of like helping each other get from left to right plays out in reverse yeah um but as you watch it you see that like tim is able to get from right to left without much issue Mm -hmm. but every action that she's doing which was opening up a path for you before is actually blocking you off from getting to her. Yeah. And it becomes really fucking apparent. Mm-hmm. And then when you get to the leftmost and you're back with the angry armored knight, mm-hmm. she's saying help. And he says like, come, come down, down here. here. Yeah. Um, and he's, he means it in a helpful way. Mm-hmm. And then he carries her off into the distance. Yeah. Because he's saving her from you yeah that's the uh, just like oh shit this is the goosebumps moment of the game for me because i was like snap this is if you still if you ripped out everything else from the game this piece right here is art like this is the part that's actually really cool um and also kind of impressive from a design standpoint because they do a few points of cheating um like there's no firewall in reverse um, and something you didn't see the first time when you were technically chasing her um, and you were helping each other through is there's ladders that Tim uh, has access to, and you only see the ladders in reverse. Oh, I thought you saw the ladder the first time. I, they didn't They didn't show up for me. I watched it. I watched it later. I don't think they show up at okay. least. I could be wrong, but um, when you were playing through in reverse which is actually forward order you see there's plenty of ladders where tim like can almost reach just, it. like climbed up yeah right? climb up and, and, and get her but um 
like she blocks off all of them multiple times multiple attempts on his life my favorite is where a platform you have to jump over a pit of spikes mm-hmm. and at the last moment like she flips a switch to raise a platform so the spikes don't kill you and then when you play in reverse which is true order um the uh <laughs> you running over a platform completely safe then she flips the switch so then it drops and you almost die on the spikes <laughs> and it's just like yeah <laughs> that's pretty good um but it's a really cool uh sequence that is probably the most kind of edgy you know sort of like oh you know he's trying to get the princess but the princess actually doesn't want him like and the way he is um so it's a it's it's a subversion of the save the princess tale definitely um so you're just some creepy guy (laughs) yeah you're just some creepy guy but also, it's worth pointing out, mm-hmm. uh, the knight character is like a very brunette slash gingery, very fuzzy guy, bigger yeah. guy, Ganondorf. and armored. Mm-hmm. When you fight the Mega Goomba, which is the boss fight, it looks oddly like a larger, crazier version huh. of the knight. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it's actually like a mental projection of his deranged view of this other guy yeah that you're trying to fight pretty much yeah i didn't realize that but that's actually really cool there's um after you complete that there's like a prologue segment segment which is basically just exposition a bunch of books epilogue uh yes sorry it could be prologue all right you start at chapter two (laughs) you do start at chapter two and you end on chapter one but because the game's going in reverse playing with time or whatever right um but uh, the 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 game mechanic essentially you could run through and get everything from Tim's perspective, um, but if you uh, instead find these kind of like hidden areas where they're obstructed by rocks or something, um, it'll show you something from the princess's perspective, um, where you see kind of the reality of their relationship more and how like kind of uh, like self deceiving Tim is about how healthy their relationship is and stuff. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's all like, it's kind of in vagaries. And then here's the thing I don't like <laughs> in the story is I feel like they should have left it a personal tale, but they had to Jonathan blow it up. And by that, there I is. mean, put in a reference to um, the atom, the creation of the atom bomb. Uh, there's a quote that's like, uh, we're all sons of female dog and heat now, which is the... Um, which was said at the creation of the atom bomb. Yeah. And I'm like, when I, when I saw that the first time in the game, I was like, Oh, Oh, you're going to try to pull a bunch of real life symbolism into this. Aren't you? I I don't think it's needed. It absolutely wasn't. And it kind of did reduced, you, it reduced. Did the your point. opinion change the second time through? No, okay. <laughs> I still, I still think that should like when the first time I played, I was like, Oh, it's going to lead into a second time. I played. Yeah. I mean, I was just as upset with it the second time. Cause it had the potential to be a, cool interpersonal story about realizing how unhealthy for like each other people are like lack of self-awareness in a relationship yeah like putting your own needs above someone else's all of those are good like great takeaways this game could have had and then they're like atom bomb symbolism (laughs) like i don't need it yeah like micro is okay sometimes also another uh 
symbology thing throughout the game. So the ring that you use that does like the time dilation, yeah, is actually like a ring she gave him, or like mm-hmm. it might be a wedding ring. I'm not I sure. I don't know. It's yeah, it's connected to her in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he never felt good like with it out of his pocket. I Meaning he was yeah. still like very deeply attached to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I'm gonna make a guess here uh, in some interpretation. When you actually have the ring like dilating time. It seems like you're kind of prolonged on that moment. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you can, it's like an escapism in a sense where everything else kind of slows down. Yeah. Because like, this is the one thing that matters. Everything else kind of just is immaterial. I don't know. There is actually a line in the game for that. Like at the, when you get the mechanic to drop the ring, as it says, like he carries the ring with him everywhere. He would try to leave it, but um, without it, he feels like he's suffocating. It's like, but to be fair, when he's like very far away from it, he's fucking bucking it. Right, that's his key. That's the key. <laughs> the, the real the trick to escape the escape the uh, the goombas in his life is to leave the the ring behind and just. If you ever leave. have a breakup, cardio. Yeah. <laughs> works for Tim. Um, but yeah, the to, to kind of wrap out the story because that's largely what it's about. There's a lot yeah. of text in there. You can read it all on the wiki. Um, or play the game. Or play like, the game. Yeah. It's super cheap and it's always on like Steam sale or something. Yeah, it's 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 pretty cheap at this How point. How old is it now, by the way? Probably three, four years, something like that. It's been a while. No? I'm gonna tell you it's at least seven. At least seven, really? Hmm. No, it actually has been a while, that's right. Yeah. yeah, it has it has definitely been a while. Uh while you look that up, I'm gonna tell people about <laughs> the uh I checked them both. Um the the other things. There is you can catch the princess actually mm-hmm. um it's the way you get like the final star and it requires some uh, observance that like the switches that you're flipping um are time immune when you're escaping the firewall um so if you're paying attention to that which i never was until this was pointed out to me you can rewind time and actually catch the princess by making it to the chandelier she drops it rises up and you can catch her and then she explodes because like she's a bomb an atom bomb or something yeah, I, I don't know. Again. Jonathan, blow fuck yourself. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, that's not the symbolism I cared for in the game at all. And then you can get the final star. And then once you make it all the way back out, out of all of the worlds to kind of like the hub world overworld where the city's on fire, doesn't mean anything, I think. Uh, you can see the stars in the sky. And if you have all of them, it makes a constellation. It's the Chained Maiden, uh, which basically represents presumably the fact that while she's with him, she's not really free in my head canon. <laughs> the game doesn't tell you because Jonathan Blow. <laughs> Probably. I, I think the moral is that Tim is not... <laughs> I was going to say a healthy lover, <laughs> but more, more so that he's, like a, a, he's toxic in a relationship Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, rather than having both parties benefit. And he was just blind to it. But as the story unravels, I think you and Tim realize the truth of the situation. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. It's like... I don't know, Tim. We'll see in Braid too. <laughs> yeah. I'd probably not. <laughs> it's been a while. Um, also, the fact that the star payoff requires you to sit through the full cloud rising, like getting all of the stars, it's also um, symbolic to his obsession like chasing after the princess through the entire game and you get to the end and you're like oh the payoff is that it's just like the princess is just maiden in chains 
like it is captivity in your own obsession like there is no grand like revelation or freedom or something like that the obsession itself is captivity um i like that right which is probably probably means that's not what jonathan blow intended and he'll never tell us so we can just fill it in with whatever our brains come up with (sighs) i think it's all a precursor to an anime uh that's what my takeaway from it yeah it could be as correct as anything else Hmm. if we're wrong right into the show jonathan blow at uh soapstone podcast at gmail.com <laughs> soapstone podcast at gmail.com or you can join the discussion facebook.com slash soapstone podcast we're always happy to smack that like button whenever people post things it's a modicum of uh discussion right <laughs> that's how you react to things i like that you're interacting in our community <laughs> Yeah, otherwise it'll just be me doing a self-like, but it'll show as the podcast, liking Mm -hmm. the podcast. I've tried it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not great. It looks bad. (laughs) Also, uh, if you're still listening at this point, I'll probably post a picture at a point, but I made a soapstone logo out of perler beads, Mm. and it looks super derpy. It does. Maybe I'll post it or try and sell that for free to somebody. (laughs) <laughs> and we actually have uh something planned that's not an audio episode uh coming up in the future right might do a little i'm overdue <laughs> for a dumb video so hopefully one will be coming out in the next month or so yeah that'd be nice and look forward to our end of the year episode which uh, is coming up when at the end of the year oh hey how yeah. convenient yeah should be good um Well, thank you guys for listening to this. And as always, we'll see you in the next one.